Welcome to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I'm your host, Derek L. Calhoun. KIPP, for short, brings you an exclusive look at the nature of humanity as we interface with culture and society in and out of our relationship with God. It explores the unique and contrasting position of having a biblical worldview versus a secular or societal worldview. I will explore these topics using the powerful and dynamic tools of the didactic narrative, teaching a relevant truth through storytelling, biblical exposition, teaching Bible principles, and of course, real talk. My background scans a diversity of over 35 years of work in education, government, law, ministry, business development, and consulting, respectively. Each guest speaker will bring a variety of wisdom and insight to life topics and situations that we encounter on a daily basis. So all I need you to do now as listeners is to sit back and enjoy the podcast, spread the word about KIPP, the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I will be your host, Derek L. Calhoun. That's hashtag KIP, hashtag KIP. Help me to make KIP your favorite Friday podcast. Now, let's get started. Greetings, KIP Nation. Welcome back to another segment of Simply Us. Simply Us. Simply Us. And listen, we have a powerful uh, session uh, for you today. Uh, we're picking up with part two of The Lost Art of Excellence. But I want to ask you a question today. My wife and I were thinking about this before the podcast. And the question is, regardless of what you do for a living or whether or not you are in ministry or whatever your occupation is, the question is, uh, are you giving it your all? Are you doing the very best you can? Are you working at an optimal level? Are you achieving beyond your aspirations and dreams? Are are you functioning above the norm? Where are you in life? And if you're not, if you ask yourself these questions and you tell yourself, hey, I'm just kind of getting by, then this is an excellent uh, podcast for you. But not only for those who are getting by, but for those who lead those who are getting by, because we have to challenge those people who work underneath us to work in excellence, to work in excellence. I think we were talking about, you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, or do you understand the art of excellence? And if you do understand it, are you able to infuse it, impart it, teach it to others? And that's the, that's the key. That's the key. So we're going to try our best to infuse it and impart it and teach it to others. We're yes. going to try our best today. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I've left off talking about my son in love, and um, he had this saying about handwritten cards. And we were literally on a flight. Well, I was literally on a flight. I don't think you were on this flight, I but I was literally on a flight. And, you know, my wife and I have flown first class before, but every experience is different because every steward or stewardess is different. And so it's those moments when you meet the one who operates in excellence. And we all know first class is supposed to be excellent. As a matter of fact, they ought to treat their entire plane in excellence. But the point of the matter is that excellence is when you go above and beyond the call of duty. When you do something unique, 
-hmm. something specific, mm -hmm. something that causes the client or the customer or the parishioner to want to come back again. Right. It's simply going above and beyond the usual and the customary. That's it. That's it. So here's here's above and beyond the usual and the customary written to seat 1A uh, on one of the, our flights. Mr. Calhoun, thank you for joining us on this afternoon's flight. I hope we made this leg of your journey from BDL a lovely one. Please have a safe and wonderful time in Jack's. Looking forward to seeing you on your next flight. Happy face, Scott, the blank, blank family. <laughs> it's just crazy, you know, to get that. Now, I've had this card almost a year now because it's so rare to get something like this and for people to take the time because he took the time to write it. There may have been 10 people in first class and he took the time to write an individual card for all 10 people. Exactly. And so that was exciting and, and uh, uh, it speaks to the level of, of consciousness. Like he's conscious, he's alert, he's aware that, hey, my job is predicated on people coming back. Mm -hmm. My raise is predicated on me uh, achieving. Going the extra mile. Going the extra mile. You know, people will write and, and, and tell my boss about me because I went the extra mile. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just an exciting opportunity. Uh, let me say this. You open your own doors by doing this. When you walk in excellence, of course, God is the opener of doors, but you give him the opportunity to open a variety of doors so that you can have the king's choice as to where you want to be, as to where you want to go. You, you have to. Remember that when you don't operate in excellence, when you're just mediocre and you half do stuff and you're nonchalant and you don't give a hoot about what's going on, you, you have to understand that people take note of that too. They sure do. And when they take note of that, doors close. <laughs> 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 are definitely close. All right. I want to um, pick up again and talk about uh, where we left off when we were talking about the God of the universe does everything with a meticulous precision that can only be described with the term excellence. And, and we know he steps in the midst of chaos. He brings order, brings order, speaks to the universes. Mm -hmm. The universes listen to his command. Mm -hmm. Dite and dite. <laughs> day and, and night. night. <laughs> Made up a new word there. But day and night literally move at his beck and call the mountain shift the earth shifts but the thing that's so incredible about the entire process is that he takes his time and does it over the course of six days something he could have blinked with a in a One millisecond second, yeah. and literally everything came into existence but he taught us the process two things well i, I see three things he taught us process he teaches us protocols he teaches us systems uh oh, more than three. And finally, out of all of that, though, the covering for that, it does things in excellence. Once he completes a task, he looks back and asks the simple question, is it good? Mm -hmm. And it is good. And he goes on to move to the next task. So that's critically important that God left us with a mindset that whenever we do something, our handprint is on it. Our footprint is on it. Our mind print is on it. Heart print is on it. And we need to examine it. Make sure it is the very best yes. you can do. It is the very same thing with giving offerings, the very best offering, the very best praise, the very best worship, mm -hmm. 
the very best relationship, when you have a spouse mm -hmm. giving her the very best, you know, excellence crosses all of these lines, oh, you know, it's because it's a lifestyle. Yeah, it's universal. It's a lifestyle. It's it's not just, you know, something we do on the job, but it's the way we live our lives. Our lives. Every day. I once described excellence as attention to detail, but now I look at it from a slightly different vantage point. Excellence, listen to this carefully, is a behavioral pattern that results in the pursuit of perfection for the benefit of other people. It's a behavioral pattern that results in the pursuit of perfection for the benefit of other people. Mm -hmm. In other words, I'm not doing this for myself. I'm doing this for the benefit of other people. And as it blesses them, then I'm blessed because they're blessed. blessed. So excellent is not for you. Excellence is for the other people that will interface with you in environments that you have control over. Mm -hmm. When people come over your house... You have control over there. That's right. You can have socks on the on in the couch in between the couches and uh, dirt on the floor and dirty dishes in the sink mm. and cats <laughs> running across the top of the, the countertops and you can say, "Would you like something to eat?" And I can tell you, the answer is going to be absolutely not. <laughs> because you have to do things in excellence. You know, you have guests coming. Clean up a little bit. Yeah, prepare. Tidy up a little <laughs> bit. You know, get your house in order. And, and and if it's if it's a, a lack of time, you know, sometimes people come at the spur of the moment. Well, you better learn how to use that closet. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just you just need to, need to keep a, a semblance of order to whatever you do at all times. So if you have a out of the blue surprise, it won't take you hours to get it to an excellent state. Okay. Be it whatever. And then in and in, in reference to our job and employment and service and. Whatever we do in the community, it's all about praying in the morning, getting the right temperament, getting the right understanding of what you are doing. What am I doing? Whatever I do, whatever your hands find to do, do it to the glory of God. If you're going to do it to God's glory, it must be done in excellence. All right? So... Watch this. How people feel in a given environment can be a byproduct of your desire to give them the best service and the best experience, both visually, ergonomically, and aesthetically. So when we talk about ergonomically, ergonomically, we define it's defined as relating to a design for efficient efficiency and comfort in the working environment. There must be efficiency in the working environment. So when you are a business owner, you're not just setting up the business for you. No. You have to step into the shoes of the employees and ask yourself, what can I do to make this environment uh, not only suitable, but... Uh, User-friendly for everybody. Exactly. That's the word. That's a good word. User-friendly. Uh, User-friendly environment. So is the coffee machine broke? Do you know? Do you have a nice coffee machine? Can they get something to eat in your office? Do you provide snacks? What I mean? What kind of environment is your office? Can they have a little hoop, a little basketball hoop in their office, or whatever it is to take the stress off? And you give them the latitude and the freedom to set their office up in a way that's manageable for them, mm -hmm. ergonomically sound for them. You may not like it. Yeah. But hey, a happy employee is a productive employee. 
and a productive employee produces that income. That's right. And it's also really just a matter of having a conversation with the people that support you. Um, you we Sometimes we think as leaders that we know what's best, but sometimes it's a simple conversation can really just um, revitalize, you know, re-energize, and just electrify your environment. So, so then watch this. When people have an organic workspace that caters to their needs, they work better. They think more creatively. Their minds can declutter mm-hmm. because there are visual outlets or even tactile outlets that release pockets of stress. Yes. And, and in addition to that, everyone works differently. So for myself, <clears throat> I need a chalkboard wall because when I get those aha moments, I need to jot it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And because I'm a creative type personality, that works for me. You know, to necessarily jot it in a tablet or on a piece of paper, eh, yeah, I can do that. But, you know, that just doesn't quite do it for me. When you are a creative person at heart, you need those aesthetics that will speak to your creativity. Okay. Or if you're A-type personality, then to have a, a notebook or a journal or what have you, that will work for you. So it's just knowing what will work for you and simply going back to having a conversation with your people. And even this next generation... You know, I, they may have chalkboard on the computer. I, I don't know how exactly. they do it. Exactly. <laughs> everything is digital. So. Everything is digital. But whatever whatever floats their boat and whatever gets them to the their highest and best shoes and being able to operate in excellence. Aesthetically, if you didn't know what that meant, is defined, is defined the means of giving pleasure through beauty. It's the means of giving pleasure through beauty. So aesthetics, what does your office look like? When I walk in, is it eye appealing? The color palette used in an office can produce depression mm-hmm. and despondency mm-hmm. or enlightenment and, and engagement. engagement. So it depends on the colors of your office. I remember that when we <laughs> started our first business, well, yes. our first office was over there and over Landmark Square, Norwalk. That didn't count. That, that was, yeah, that was <laughs> very generic, yeah. very operational. We just had a spot to do what we needed to do and go. But when we landed our first building mm-hmm. we use vibrant colors throughout the building and it brought out the best in many of the workers and a matter of fact we let each individual worker who had an office decorate remember the, their own office. decorate their own office mm-hmm. now that makes all the difference in the world because he put up or she put up what she likes in the office and not what i like in the office all right so excellence also invites repeat customer or client interactions because your staff is engaging. See, you engage them ergonomically and aesthetically. And what I mean by them, I'm talking about your staff. You engage them ergonomically and aesthetically. And the converse is that they begin to engage your clientele, your customers, your parishioners ergonomically and aesthetically. You have to understand that, of course, we reap what we sow, but not only do we reap what we sow, if you model proper behavior, if you model the the paradigm for uh, treating your people with excellence, then they repeat that process and it becomes a part of the culture of your business or your ministry or your nonprofit and things begin to really, really flow. So let me let me say this again about excellence. Excellence also invites repeat customer or client interactions because your staff is engaging, inviting, professional, articulate in communication, and personable. You exhibit those things. They exhibit those things. 
and your business and ministry culture should be so engaging and inviting that it says, come back. We would love the opportunity to serve you again. Always remember that first impressions are lasting impressions. Always put your best foot forward. So these are just some simple tools of excellence that we want to share with you. And there are plenty more, but these are just seven that we thought were important. Number one, neat attire for people involved in guest relations, i.e. comb your hair, make sure your hair is in place, makeup is on, shirt or tie in place, dress, suit or what have you. It's fitted to your body neatly. Make sure you iron your clothes. So that that's that's part of it. But uh, uh, more than your external experience or uh, appearance, we want to make sure that you understand that you need to have a pleasant attitude, uh, especially if you're the first person who is going to reach out to customers or clients. You can't have a nasty disposition or a negative disposition or a despondent disposition. You have to get up for the, the opportunity to speak to the client, to speak to the customer, to engage your parishioner. you you got to raise the level of expectation. They're already down. They're already going through. And maybe they're having a wonderful day. Well, they don't need to go from a wonderful day to your tomb of horrors. <laughs> Next is your tone. It's not what you say, but how you say it. You can say, oh, that office is right down the hall. Take a left. Oh, it's over there. Go down the hall and take a left. See the difference? Always be mindful of your tone and how you speak to someone. So a pleasant disposition with thick skin uh, is also necessary. You, you're going to be pleasant, but you got to have thick skin because people may come at you sideways. They may come at you and make you feel some kind of a way. And so you have to be a person that's not so easily emotionally displaced by a client, a client's dissatisfaction or even a client's bad day. You have to be able to be stationary focus and maintain your disposition even while they're going off so you'll be able to uh, de-escalate the situation and we'll talk more a little bit about de-escalation later so next is number five this is a person who has good conflict resolution skills and a gift for de-escalating potentially tenuous situations so this person needs to be a person who knows how to take two parties that are at odds with each other, sit them down, and kind of mediate it. Or a person who can have a person in front of them, and the person is clearly upset, and they can hear the person out and know how to de-escalate the person's anger and bring them to a place of understanding and quietness. And th this is a person that's either on the front lines or in a supervisory position. Um, it's just not the average Joe Schmo. This is a person that, you know, really has good communication and people skills. That is a requirement to be a good conflict resolution person, whether you're in the marketplace and or in ministry. But in this particular um a situation I'm going to lean more towards the marketplace because you're going to run into all types of people and if you can de-escalate any situation whether they're Christians or whether they're just the every ordinary ordinary everyday person then you have great uh, conflict resolution skills I was going to say that also we talk about corporate setting that you have to look at you know a, a job that people devalue oftentimes it's the job of the receptionist, the first person that greets you at the door. I think that person needs to have this combination of skills because a lot of times it doesn't get to a supervisor. They come in the door, irate. That's true. And you need someone there 
who can really handle that situation and, as you said, de-escalate or develop conflict resolution skills, which ties into number six. Before you go to number mm -hmm. six, let me just reiterate. I'm not reiterate, but add to that. uh, Let's take the position of a receptionist. They are often overlooked, but actually, if you have a really good person in that position, they represent, they are the face of your company, whether a person is calling into the company or calling into the church or a person is walking through the door. That is the person that sets the tone for everything that will happen thereafter. If they are polished, well-spoken for, have great mediation skills, communication skills, then everything after that would just be onward and upward. However, if it's the opposite and it's negative, then now, Houston, we have a problem. So, yeah, and I agree with that. As a matter of fact, I also think that uh, those who are in corporate America, if you have that good person Mm -hmm. like the one you just described, that they also consider paying them more. Exactly. You know, retaining that type of individual uh, growing that, mm-hmm. uh, I talked with another client the other day. We talked about career paths, mm-hmm. giving them a career path to get to a place where they won't always be the receptionist, but they will be the one who trains and is able to find the next level of receptionist. So exactly. there's a lot of value in making sure you don't underestimate the people that are working amongst you. Number six, a person with a gift of discernment to alter approach when necessary. So a lot of times, uh, people, in ministry or people in, in business and they use this cookie cutter approach <laughs> and they use the same thing every time as if every personality that walks through that door, every customer, every client mm-hmm. is the same. And one size fit all. Exactly. And nobody's the same. So we have to be, have a spirit of discernment to kind of say, man, I need to go a different route this, with this individual. Exactly. I need to go left with this individual, right with this individual, up with this individual, down with this individual. Well, that's where the spirit, the spirit of discernment comes in. Exactly. And that's a prayer spirit. That's a spirit, whether you're in the marketplace or in the church, if you're consulting and praying to God, God will give you the spirit of discernment, give you the words to say, and tell you how to say it. Because as you said earlier, it's not just the words to say, but how to it's, say it. Exactly. So so let's, as we wrap up today, I'm going to do, now we'll, we'll do both uh, double team on number seven, tag team on number seven. A person who thinks on their feet, they, they assess situations and move swiftly in a situation that may require security, evacuations, medical treatment, mm-hmm. police, or fire. Now, again, this you can kind of look at a receptionist person because they're going to see this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they're going to, you know, have access to making these kinds of decisions. But it may be, as you said earlier, more of a supervisory person, a person who can really... But that receptionist should be in that line. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think this is what I see. Let me check it out. Let me mm-hmm. run it up the flagpole quickly and let the supervisor assess the situation or whoever's uh, uh, in authority over them and make proper decisions. But sure. you need people like this who... Or, or, go ahead. Or it's a person who... Not to cut you off, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Or it's a person that is very swift on their feet. In other words, they're constantly scanning their environment. You know, they're constantly looking to and fro, although they're engaged in the moment of what they're actually doing, but they still have the ability, which is a gift, to be able to scan and kind of take it all in at one time, not just stand there and just focus solely on what you're doing at the moment. Some people are gifted to do that, and there are those that are others that are not, and it's okay. We're all wired differently by design, by God. And it's okay if you're not that person, but for those of us who are, you know, we have to 
constantly be assessing the environment to know when we need to maybe perhaps start moving this direction or maybe perhaps send a text message or mm -hmm. kind of call, hey, you know, I'm, I'm seeing this. I'm not sure if it's anything that needs to be tended to, but hey, just, you know, watch my six for me, you know, kind of mm -hmm. check it out for me because I'm over here taking care of this situation. That's exactly right. So it's good for us and, and good for uh, those in the marketplace to look for these kinds of people so you you're you're looking for not just a person who may be uh, intellectually sound, but you're looking for someone who has common sense. Common sense and even street sense, and yeah. depending situation depending. Situation depending. So uh, we've just given several steps in making sure your onboarding process is equal to your desired outcome. These are things that you can use and questions you can ask and things that you can deliberately look for in people that are going to work in your. Uh, office, whether it be again marketplace or church or nonprofit. So I want to kind of close out with this. However, however, this entire process will help to create an environment of excellence if you inherit or train a staff member or two like that. You pay them for their spirit of excellence, not just because they are receptionists, but because. They are receptionists par excellence, uh -huh. which means better or more than all the others of the same kind. Uh -huh. You always say this. Uh, my wife has this quote. Uh, you get what you pay for. And I think it's a brilliant quote. <laughs> because well, it's, it's, it's true. true. Yeah. I, and a lot of people are trying to be kinchy because they don't value that particular position. Uh -huh. But in this day and age where there is a shortage of employees and employers and well, actually, employees, we have to understand that you may be in one business, but you're competing across different genres of business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to be competitive. Exactly. And so you're... Be on the cutting edge. You're going to be on the cutting edge. Your pay rate has to be consistent. Your career paths have to be different. You've got to do some different kinds of things to get some different kinds of results. So what I'm saying is paying on the front end will allow you to reap dividends on the back end. Hey, Jay, I've enjoyed this uh, section on the Lost Art of Excellence Part 2. It was I good. I think we've wrapped this thing up. I hope that the people have been blessed that they have been listening to this podcast. You all have been listening to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and this is a series entitled Simply, Simply Us. Us. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. We love you. We're praying God's blessing over you. It is our hope and prayer that more than anything in the world that you leave this podcast and you go forth. Of course, we want you to share this podcast with all of your friends and family. But more than anything, we want you to leave and influence the nations. God bless you. See you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Kip. -bye. Bye.